Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Dear First Year podcast. Today, we are joined by Emily Beeman from Academic Advising and Career Development here on campus. Uh, Emily, do you mind just kind of giving a brief overview of kind of what your department does before we dive into some of your questions? Yeah, so we do a lot of different things in our office. Um, Kind of the two areas that I would divide us into are advising. So we help deciding Mm -hmm. students, students who don't have majors. Uh, Also on the advising side, we help with all sorts of questions that relate to major changes in that. Um, And then on the career side, we do resume critiques, mock interviews, general Mm -hmm. job search advice. And then we hosted the main career fair this time today recording it last week on March 2nd (laughs) uh, and then we also host the education opportunities fair. Kind of just to start out since our advising season is kind of getting underway a lot of our first year students have kind of gotten those first two semesters of classes out of the way and so if students are unsure if they like their major what should they do is it too late for them or I don't know kind of explain that process. Yeah. So I would say, in general, it's never really too late because Mm -hmm. you do want to make sure that you enjoy your classes Mm -hmm. uh, and that you like your major. So if you are a first-year student, now is the perfect time to be thinking about making that kind of change. So if you're thinking about that, you might think, oh, I'll talk to my mom, I'll talk to my friends, (laughs) Uh, but really we're a good place to come talk to to someone in our office. Mm -hmm. We can help you kind of just sort through what your thoughts are and give you some different tools and activities or things that you can do to really narrow down on a better fit for you. Yeah. So do they have to do first year students or just any student in general, even if you're not a first year and you're listening to the podcast episode still, um, what is the process of switching your major or adding a minor or dropping an endorsement? Do they have to go to you or are there other options for them? Yeah, so the form, it's called the Program Change Form, and okay. it recently moved. It's now online on your MyBlue. Okay. Uh, so you can definitely come to our office, and we'll help you with that form. Uh, but you could do it on your own if you want to. A lot of times we have students come in, just they don't want to make sure they don't make a mistake. Mm-hmm. They want to just get that little extra help. But it's nice because it's on your MyBlue because it populates with your current information. So it's harder to make a mistake. Yeah, definitely. So if you have a student who comes in and they're like, I am kind of unsure of my major, how can they kind of explore their major? Is that something that they really have to do next semester in the fall or over the summer? Or yeah, I guess if you don't mind expanding. Yeah, I would say now is a better time. So you're Mm -hmm. thinking about classes for the summer or the fall. You know, you really want to be in some classes that make sense for what you're thinking of. So don't wait until the summer or August. Uh That when that's when you have that moment of realizing, okay, (laughs) I need to, I need to make some changes here. If you're thinking at all, come and visit with us now. What we'll do, we have a lot of different options kind of depending on where you're at. Hmm. So we might have you do a short career assessment. That's not going to tell you what you should do, but it'll give you some ideas. We might send you to talk to a few faculty members in different departments based on your interests. We might have you look at the catalog, kind of Mm -hmm. looking through majors. Uh, We may suggest doing an informational interview with someone who currently holds a job in the field you're looking at. So Mm -hmm. those are just a few examples. There's a wide variety of 
different yeah. things that we'll do. So kind of pivoting, we're going to pivot a few different times uh, throughout this podcast. But yeah. now to those students who do know exactly what they want to do, they came in or they switched after the first semester and they know what they want to do and they're ready to dive deeper into the program. One of, I, I would think it's a really frequently asked question, but how does a student know who their advisor is? Yeah, so that information is all available on your MyBlue homepage. So you'll see your advisor's name and contact information, mm -hmm. and you may have more than one. That's okay. Uh, it'll also be available on your degree audit. So you'll see their mm. name, but if you want their contact information, homepage of homepage MyBlue. Homepage of MyBlue. Yep. Gotcha. So speaking of, if you have more than one advisor, I currently have three different advisors. So who do you meet with or who do they meet with first? Who you meet with first could depend a little bit. Your advisors will give you guidance on that. Mm. But in general, you're going to meet with your major advisor. Okay. You're going to meet with your major advisor, usually in person. Mm -hmm. And then if you have a secondary advisor, it might be pre-professional program, or if you're an mm -hmm. education student, you might have multiple advisors, maybe mm -hmm. for secondary education. So you can kind of figure out who those advisors are, maybe by looking at the directory or searching their name on the UNK mm -hmm. page if you're if you're not sure. Um, but that's the, the best way to figure out who your advisor is. Meet with your major advisor if you're in a pre-professional program, like pre-health sciences or pre-law, mm -hmm. you'll definitely want to meet with that advisor too. Yeah. And then there's all sorts of different uh, supplemental advisors. Maybe you have a trio advisor, honors, uh, maybe you have military benefits so you meet or mm -hmm. visit with Lori Skarka. So there's mm -hmm. lots of different advisors. We try not to put advisors on there just uh -huh. for fun. Yeah. It's because you really need them. So most of the time, if you have an advisor listed, you either need to meet with them or communicate with them in some way. And definitely one advantage that I think UNK has when I was going on college visits is your advisors are your different faculty members. We are a small enough university. Sometimes I've heard stories where they're an education student at a different university and their advisor is just like a business person. And so they don't quite know like all of the classes. They just kind of say, go take these. But your advisors, you might see them in a class kind of down the road. My next question is, uh, after you meet with your advisor or advisors, I've, I've heard students say, I'm all set for the next semester. How true would that statement be? Yeah, so that can be a little bit of a misconception. Like, I've met with my advisor, my hold's off, now I'm done. Well, actually, the next steps that you want to take, if you haven't already done so, is add those classes to your shopping cart on My Blue, mm -hmm. And then at your registration time, which I'll talk about here in a minute, <laughs> at your registration time, then you'll want to enroll or register for those classes through My Blue. And you'll know when your registration time is because when you log into MyBlue, you'll see, I think it's a red bar that pops up and tells you this is your, I think it's blue actually now that I think about it, a blue <laughs> bar that pops up and it tells you when you need to register for classes. So it might say April 15th at 7 a.m. so you can register 
at 7 a.m. or any time thereafter. I would try to go as close to that Uh time as you can to get that dream schedule. And so I know on my degree or on my homepage of the MyBlue, I think this semester I have two different dates and times. One of them says April 3rd and the other says April 6th. So if that, if students also run into that problem, first year students run into that problem, are they, which date do they kind of go off of? That's an awesome question. And it's basically, if you have two registration times, you want to always go with your first registration time. So sometimes they're only a few days apart and it might not make as much Mm -hmm. of a difference, but sometimes they could be weeks apart, especially if you're a freshman. So you want to try to register on that first date as close to that early time as possible because you've been given that early registration date for a reason and you want to take advantage of it. So uh, this is kind of the semester as they plan out the fall. Students can also apply for summer classes. Are first-year students moving into the second year of the program, are they able to take some of those summer classes? Yes. So any student can take a summer class. Um, You just want to be a little bit careful to not overwhelm yourself with Mm -hmm. too many summer classes uh, because those are paced a lot faster. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you kind of look at the timeline, for example. So if we're normally looking at a regular semester in the fall is 16 weeks. Okay. So if the class in the summer is four weeks and it's a three credit hour class, Mm -hmm. it will feel equivalent to taking 12 credit hours for that one month. And so sometimes we'll have students say, oh, I want to take nine or 12 credit hours in the summer, I'm going to take a bunch of classes. Uh. And I would advise against that in most cases. Mm -hmm. Don't overwhelm yourself. You you want to have fun in your summer and probably work and some of those things. So be kind of strategic. You can ask your advisor to, you know, is is this something that I could handle taking two classes Mm -hmm. during the same session? If yeah. that's something you're considering. And they're they're going to give you the best advice. You know, oh, you could take two classes, but maybe not these two classes. Yeah. These are both very rigorous and writing intense, intensive. Maybe you wouldn't mm. take those at the same time. When I was an NSC leader the last summer, I had a friend who they, those summer classes, they're kind of blocked off at different intervals and there was one week where all three summer classes she was taking it was just one week but she nine credits lined up in the same week and she was just like oh my gosh and so that was tough to watch her like as soon as we finished our nsc skit and then she would go study and then we would go do our next thing go back and study and it was just this constant running back and forth and so that was kind of a first-hand story or a second-hand story, I guess, because it wasn't actually me. Um, but um, just kind of be weary of what Emily said uh, with those summer classes. For sure, yeah. That's kind of like the perfect storm coming uh-huh. together. So watch those dates. Yeah. And that goes for the summer and even the fall. We have a lot more classes that aren't fitting that traditional 16-week mm-hmm. time frame. And so really pay attention to those dates so you don't get overwhelmed, you know, in the middle of the semester, early on in the semester, in the end. Yeah, especially if you are planning a big summer trip, just kind of, 
I would advise to plan that trip around whatever summer class you're able to get into if that's right. kind of the direction that you wanted to go. Or a common thing that people talk to me about is what if my advisor doesn't respond to me? Or if you have multiple advisors and none of them respond to you, what's kind of the course of action moving forward? Yeah, I think the first thing uh, when I have a student that comes in and tells me that, the first thing I try to ask is when when have you contacted them? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, you know, the expectation might be that from a student's perspective might be they should get back to me right away. But that's not always mm -hmm. possible. And so I always say, you know, give them a couple days. Um, if you email them on Friday, you're not going to hear back till Monday or Tuesday, yep. more than likely. And then just remember, you know, advisors, just like anybody else on campus, are human. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yep. we miss emails. We mark it as click through it and we've read it and we forget to mark it as unread. So mm -hmm. go ahead and send that second email. I would say, you know, they're not ignoring you. They're not trying to. Yeah. So just send that reminder and, and say, hey, I just wanted to follow up and see if you saw my sec last email and if you can um, respond to that and let me know what I should do. I know that was just a little a small pivot of what if they don't respond to you. Hopefully they respond to you. And then moving forward, how does a student schedule an appointment with their advisor? Yeah, so right now on campus, there, there's kind of a variety of ways that faculty and then professional advisors might set up their meetings. Mm -hmm. So you really need to understand your advisor's expectations for that. Okay. So and you might have an advisor who's, you know, more of an old school method, uh -huh. sign, up, sign up sheet outside their door. Yeah. I still hear about that sometimes. <laughs> so uh, you might have that method and you need to walk over to their office and sign up. They might have a link that you click in their email to sign up for your advising mm. appointment. Uh, they might have you scheduled maybe through Outlook or some other means. And so just finding out your advisor's preferred method. But I would say in almost every case, you usually have to make an appointment ahead of time mm -hmm. because it is hard to meet with a student on drop-in, you know, on drop-in hours for what can be a lengthy conversation. Mm -hmm. All right. And especially like as you or as students start to progress through their program one thing that I've kind of ran into is like I would look at those when the class schedule opened up and then you could see when all of the options were sometimes I would come and I would kind of get an idea and I'd have all these classes in my shopping cart and then I would go into my advising session and they're like no you're not able to start taking those now how do you discourage students to not get discredited and to trust their advisor that they are making the right decision yeah, so I would say be like Aiden, <laughs> and <laughs> it's always better to plan ahead and kind of have an idea. Some advisors might even have that expectation that you yeah. do have classes maybe already in your shopping cart. So I think most of the time advisors would be like, oh, I'm glad that you tried, Yeah. Uh, but these are, you know, you can take this class, but this class you're not quite ready for because of prerequisites. Mm. So 
remember that your advisor is there to help you and guide you. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to understand those degree requirements as well. So Mm -hmm. make sure that you ask questions. If you're feeling a little confused, make sure that you get that clarification Mm -hmm. from your advisor. Some programs are pretty straightforward. Yeah. Some like education, it's uh-huh. very step by step and you have to do things in a certain order. Yeah. And so work with your advisor, ask those questions, take a look at your degree audit, and, and hopefully <clears throat> through all of those resources, you should get to get to the right answer. So. We've kind of been talking a lot about advising and while that is one portion of your job, we also kind of have that career development that I often, that I would personally think is kind of forgotten about sometimes. And so we're going to take a quick little pivot and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, starting with what are some things as a freshman I can do to become more career ready or things that they can either start doing now, things they can do this summer, things they can do next semester. There are so many different things that you can do to become career ready. Even in high school, you probably heard a lot of things like, do this because it will look good on your resume. Mm-hmm. I would I would kind of echo some of that, but being a little bit more intentional. So when you're resume building for high school, it's all about quantity, doing uh-huh. all of the things, as many things as you can to get those scholarships. Mm-hmm. But in college, it's a little bit more about quality items. So think about what you can do that might relate to your career field. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're going into elementary education, Uh you know, working in a school setting, working with kids, that can be a really good experience. Um, It doesn't always have to be related to your job or related Mm -hmm. to your future career field. But you've got to think about those transferable skills that you're getting from a job. So right now, you're getting a lot of event planning and communication mm-hmm. skills. Yeah. And so really reflecting on what you're doing and how mm. those skills are preparing you for the future. So I would say, you know, getting a part-time job, mm-hmm. that was a really long-winded answer. <laughs> getting a part-time job, I think, is is really good. And just starting to build those professional skills of even just communicating with your supervisor mm-hmm. what's going on, getting your schedule in your planner or on your phone so that you're on time yep. and proving to be a reliable person. Those are good skills. Another really good thing that you can do to get career ready is to start thinking about working on that resume. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to have it perfect right away, but writing down some of those things that you're involved in right now, just on Mm -hmm. a document, that's a good, um, a really good start. Getting involved on campus is Mm -hmm. more than just a resume builder, but you're also gaining valuable skills. Yeah. So you know, maybe you're in an organization like LPAC. You're learning how to work in a team. You are learning communication skills, maybe event planning skills yeah. if you're involved in a concert like Young Gravy. So yeah. you're you're really gaining more skills in that way, but you're also networking. Yep. So networking is so important in college too because 
you're going to come back to people that you worked with in college. Hopefully you're going to have those relationships for a long time, meet up with them, communicate with them Mm -hmm. for years to come. So those are a few things. I probably forgot a lot of really important things, but those are the (laughs) things I think about. Yeah. No, that is a really good list. And I really like the idea of networking because when I was a sophomore and more so this year, I've had a lot of my professors really push me to start going to those career fairs. What's the benefit of going to a career career fair as a freshman or a sophomore, even though you're not going to be looking for a full-time job until two, three years down the road? Attending a career fair, whether it's one in your major, the all-majors fair that we Mm -hmm. just had, or like the education fair, which is in your major, Aiden, um... So whether it's a, a large fair or a major specific fair, the best thing that I think you gain from attending a fair as a freshman is just experience. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who have been to a fair, it can be a little intimidating, mm-hmm. loud, yep. <laughs> confusing. You might look at the map and look at the numbers and think, oh my gosh, I don't know how to read this. I can't, yeah. how do I figure out where I want to go? <laughs> so just getting that experience is super crucial as far as the layout and the logistics. The second mm-hmm. part is getting that experience, introducing yourself to yep. people you've never met, uh, whether it's school administrators or a recruiter for a company. So introducing yourself learning how to ask questions, researching companies or schools that you're interested in. Those are all things that you can gain early on Mm -hmm. so that when it matters and you're really looking for that full-time job, you feel, this is old hat. Yeah, I know know what I'm doing, and I even see some faces that I recognize. Recruiters and, and administrators always tell us, you know, students may think we don't remember them, but uh-huh. I remember meeting with this student and it's so great to see them back and seeing their progression. Maybe their freshman year, they came in like shorts and a t-shirt. And then by their <laughs> senior year, they realize, okay, I should dress my best and yeah. come dressed in, you know, slacks and a shirt and a tie, you know, yeah. something like that. So you've already kind of touched on the resume piece. And this will be my final question as we wrap up uh, outside of the anything else you want to add. But you've talked about the resume, kind of include your involvement. I would say include different experience that you have part-time or full-time. Then also include your education. And then you also said kind of prepare your introduction. Could you mind expanding on that work on your introduction and then anything else to kind of just get ready for a career fair? Yeah. So... This might be called in some areas like an elevator pitch or an elevator speech. Mm. So an important thing when you think about this is when you introduce yourself, you might not get to say everything Mm -hmm. all right away, but at least if you think about how you might introduce yourself, if you had that opportunity, you can break it up. Mm -hmm. So the best way that I can describe an elevator speech or an introduction is to think about past, present, future. So Mm. uh, where do you come from? Maybe that's where you grew up, Mm -hmm. your experiences, those kinds of things. Where are you now? So obviously, are you a UNK student? What's your major? Mm -hmm. Maybe what are you doing right now that's kind of led you to this career? 
that you're looking forward to? And then what do you want for the future? Why are you talking to this employer? Why are you interested mm-hmm. in them? And why should they be interested in you? What can mm. you bring to the table? So it can be really overwhelming to think about that question. Mm-hmm. So I try to break it down. Past, present, future. Yep. And I think that really can sum it up how you can introduce yourself. And don't go on too long. So maybe, <laughs> like, let's say, if this might be an example of when you actually use the full thing. Tell me a little bit about yourself. That's like the number one question that we Uh get on interviews. And so tell me about yourself does not mean tell me everything about yourself. Tell me about your girlfriend, boyfriend, (laughs) that kind of stuff. (laughs) You really want to think about how how can I describe myself in relation to this job. The relevancy. Yeah, yeah. So keep it, you know, 30, 45 seconds. It's Mm. just supposed to be like a little bit of a, a teaser so they want to know more about you yeah. and see if you're a good person for them to keep talking with if you might be a good fit. That is, that's such a good answer. When I initially asked the question, I was like, oh, come to the academic advising and career development offices and we can help you out. But no, that's a very good one. Emily, if you don't mind reminding everybody how they can reach out to either you specifically or your department as a whole, um, whether online or in person. So there's a few different ways. You can stop by our office. We're located in MSAB, Memorial Student Affairs Building, Mm -hmm. 150. If you're not sure where we're at, there's a couple of electronic boards with a map so you can find us. (laughs) Or you can ask anybody if you can't find us. So we're in MSAB, 150. You can call us. We're at 865-8501. You can email us. Um, Our email is career serve without the e on the end so c-a-r-e-e-r-s-e-r-v at unk.edu or you can search us on the website aacd academic advising and career Mm. development you can find all our contact info there if you want to talk to me specifically just ask for (laughs) emily i'm the only one emily in the (laughs) office so i will help you out with any questions you have perfect and are there any final words of advice, any anything else that we didn't talk about that you kind of wanted to share? I think just in general, like I'm sure you have almost everybody say this, is can see us, you know, we're mm-hmm. here. We have this job because we want to help students. Mm-hmm. You know, we remember what it was like having those questions, not knowing where to go. So come see us, ask questions, use those resources because mm-hmm. that's what that's what you're here for is to get help you to be more successful yeah in life yeah and that is definitely one thing that while everybody says it that is definitely true on campus in my time at unk i've always been able to go to my advisor um and kind of see and aacd i'll ask them questions about resume attend resume workshops Um, attend different events that they host because they are definitely valuable. Even if you don't have a career for coming up for two months that applies to you, getting that resume done is just a nice little check mark to have. So Emily, thank you for joining us today on our Dear First Year podcast. Thank you all for listening. Reminder, our Office of Student and Family Transitions is in the Student Engagement Office or Nebraska Student Union 142. 
NSU142. Or if you want to reach out to us, uh, remember to follow us on our socials at UNKSFT or email us at sft at unk.edu. That wraps up our episode and thank you for listening and we will see you guys in the next episode. (laughs) 